Welcome to the I Am In podcast. We are excited to announce that this summer, 2022, we will be recording our weekly summer speaker each Wednesday night at the Boise Institute. We will hear messages from various individuals sharing their life story in front of a live audience of young adults. Each speaker will share key times that God manifest Himself and prevailed in their life. It's the reason they continue to say, I am in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am Michelle Burke, the host of the I Am In podcast and an instructor at the Boise Nampa Institute of Religion. Chad Ross Kelly grew up in Utah, one of nine children. He had a very unique childhood. He was blessed with a great bishop who helped him get on a mission and a mission president who was able to get him into college. Both men changed the direction of his life and ultimately his future. Chad attended Brigham Young University in Provo and dental school in Iowa. After working as a dentist for the majority of his adult life, Chad is now a seminary teacher for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Today, Brother Ross Kelly will talk about how you can rise out of any circumstance with God's help. You can find joy and happiness in life by simply changing your thoughts. Chad and his wife, Jennifer, are the parents of four wonderful children. Okay, today we are here with Chad Ross Kelly, who is one of our teachers for the Seminary and Institute program, and he has quite a journey with his career. So I just want to start today, Chad, with you filling us in. Give us your background. Where did you grow up? What was your family like? How, how did that start your journey into who you are today? Well, so I grew up in Provo, Utah. My dad were, was a small engine mechanic or, or a, a lawnmower mechanic for BYU. And um, my mom and dad, uh, their, their marriage was, a, was an experiment in dysfunction. And uh, I, I like don't know that how. Title. Yeah. They, I had eight siblings. I have eight siblings. I don't know how that happened because it didn't seem like they got, got along very well. In fact, um, I would say that many people would look at, and, and even me and my siblings looked at my parents and just wondered why they didn't divorce. Why, wouldn't, why didn't they just give up, right? It was so dysfunctional. My mom had seven dads, and my grandma was married seven times, twice to the same person, and, wow. and my mom uh, was abused in every way that you can imagine. Um, so she brings that dysfunction into the, into, into the marriage, and my, dad, my dad's mom, spent five years in a sanatorium and had her first two kids taken away from her by the state of California uh, before she ever met my grandpa. So mental and emotional dysfunction on both sides of of the family and it just continued. It was just growing up in my family was extremely difficult. Mom and dad didn't love themselves so they couldn't love each other and they certainly struggled to love nine kids. Um, Wow. So all of us, all of my ki- my siblings had to come to terms with mental and emotional disease and and medications and therapy and therapists and um, and some are still on medication and still struggling with that. How did you find that help? <clears throat> Who pointed you towards positive therapists or medication that could help? Well, for me, I'll tell you what, honestly, the, the, I didn't know that I was going through that until I was an adult and, and could define that. It, it, it came after I had established a career as a dentist and, and just the stress of, of, of owning a business and having employees and, 
and trying to trying to function with lawyers and accountants and all these things the stress of that brought these monsters back that had had established themselves as as a young man um, and it was as an adult that I that I suffered from suicidal depression um, and ultimately I I the first resources that I used were the scriptures um, you know I was on multiple medications uh, to try to help me to sleep and to function with mental and emotional disease um, and and the medications didn't work right and the doctors would doctors were telling me there's nothing you can do right this is this is a disease like like diabetes or you have to take something to mediate it and and um, so I couldn't sleep at night and um, so I actually honestly this I know it sounds cliche but one night I honestly picked up the Old Testament and started reading it and um, and it and it had healing power in the Old Testament I found stories that that taught me that not only did God have the power but he expected us to use that power to heal and that um, that healing is not only just an opportunity but an expectation of Christ's disciples and um, the funny thing was medication couldn't put me to sleep but the Old Testament could now the Old Testament puts a lot of people to sleep but for me it was a miracle it was a miracle I couldn't sleep I don't know how you, you how you feel when you can't sleep for me i'm i'm mean to everybody uh including myself and the miracle was that the scriptures gave me peace and i would wake up in the morning with my face in the open page that made that miracle happen and i just found great power i found that the scriptures had power to save me and to heal me um, i did i did see a therapist multiple times about 35 sessions with, uh, with three different therapists, um, but healing ultimately came through Jesus Christ and diving into the scriptures like I had never dived in before. I needed something that, that, that therapists couldn't fix and doctors and medication couldn't even help. And the scriptures taught a different story to me, right? It taught that, that healing is hopeful and um, so I started, I started diving into the scriptures for the first time. I'd love the scriptures. I'd read the Book of Mormon multiple times and the, and the Bible once or twice. But in, in this quest to find healing, um, I, I did find. I found that the Savior not only wants to help us, but he can and will if we will put our positive, hopeful trust in him. And that's where I, I gained the love. I absolutely love for the scriptures is... The peace and the healing that it gave to me. So that's an incredible testimony, which is so much more than go read your scriptures and you'll yeah, get better. Yeah. It's the peace that the scriptures brought you, the testimony of what the scriptures taught you. That's an incredible share, Chad. I love it. I love what the Savior has done for me. He he did something that nobody else can do. He kept his promises as I. Try to stay on or cross the covenant path as often as possible because I get off easily. I'm someone who needs repentance regularly. The Savior was always there with open arms, and I I found someone who loved me, and and wanted to help me. Now I'm still on medication. I still take a small dose of of an antidepressant called Lexapro, known as Wellbutrin, also. But it's one sixth the dose that I used to take. Right? It's the smallest dose possible, 
And I know that I could get off that if I, if I wanted to make the effort to get to know the Savior better. I think that he has the power to do that for us. So, yeah, I, I, that's why I love the scriptures. They, Could they we also it. add that we also know the Savior loves us enough that we live in a time when modern medicine can bless us? Oh, absolutely. Right? And so, um, yes, I agree with your faith you could. I also agree that there's a reason we have medications and counselors and life coaches to bless our lives because they have the tools and ability to give us what we can't give ourselves. And there is also his hand in that oh i love my medication <laughs> I, am, I am so grateful for it yeah and and the therapists that i saw they were so benevolent right and they and they taught me so much about they taught me so much about how to control my my thoughts and gratitude right um if we can elevate our thoughts we can't always control what comes across the stage of our mind but but we can control what stays there mm -hmm. right and our focus, the things that we focus on, determines the, our physical and mental and emotional outcomes. No question about it. What right. we focus on. And so um, I learned from my therapy sessions that I, my therapy would go a lot better if I could maintain trust in the Lord and gratitude. If I could look for the things that were so good in my life that I had overlooked in depression, right, in that drought. Um, so gratitude, gratitude, I learned from, from modern science that gratitude actually um, creates more of the positive chemicals that create the elated mental and, emo and emotional atmosphere than any medication can. So yeah. gratitude and exercise, those are the two things that can elevate your serotonin levels and other, um, other chemistry that makes you happy. Than, than medication. I, I love that statement. You're speaking truth. I also think those thoughts that come across our mind, when we believe true thoughts that the Savior would want us to believe, we can feel joy and have positive results in our life. When we when we start dwelling and marinating on the negative thoughts that Satan would want us to believe, you're not good enough, no one likes you, all those. Yeah, right. When we marinate on those, then our emotions fall right as deep as he wants us to go. And then our actions, we don't do anything. And, we yeah. fit, and then we are numb to what we are capable of. So there's truth in those thoughts as well. If you add truth, yeah. if you add what the Savior wants you to think, you can get through it. Yeah. But the thoughts are so powerful. Uh, and that's why I say I know that I could get off medication if I wanted to put forth the effort to control my thoughts better. Right? I, because I agree. Our thoughts determine our outcome. Our thoughts determine our experience. Right? And so if I think, oh, I'm horrible, I'm bad, right? well, that becomes our experience. That's what becomes our reality. Or our reality can be, oh, I am so grateful for my wife, or I'm so grateful for school, or I'm so grateful for these other things. That becomes our reality, right? So we had an interesting uh, opportunity this summer to be session directors at the Strength of Youth uh, Camps for Youth. And one of our first nights, we taught exactly what you're teaching. We said to the kids, the circumstances, you're all here. There's yeah. 500 kids. You don't know everyone's name. That's just the circumstance. It's the fact. It's true. You could come here and think, oh, man, nobody knows me. I'm not going to have fun. And if that's your thought, yeah. your emotions are depression, yeah. discouragement. Your actions are hiding in the back of the room, maybe not going to class. And the result at the end of the week is no friends, no fun, no memories. Yeah. But if you go back to the circumstance, there's 500 people here. We don't know their names in the room. But your thought is, I can't wait to get to know all these people. Yeah then your emotions are excitement and hopeful exactly. and you're looking forward to it and your actions become 
introducing yourself to new people, finding new people to sit by, you know, dancing with someone new at every dance. And by the end of the week, your friend list is huge. You've got group texts, you have fun. And I'm like, the only difference was the thought. Yep, that's the, the truth. You can't change the circumstance. Right. Mostly. But you can always change the thought. Yep. Isn't that amazing? And it can be proven. It actually absolutely can be proven. If you take a minute and you think about a lemon, you will start to salivate. A physical response to a mental, to a thought, right? It's, it's provable, right? The things that you think become your reality. You think about a lemon, you will start to salivate more and wow. more, right? It is, it's a fact. And so, yeah, I think that, I think that the scriptures are so amazing. And Christ, Christ, there, there's so many times in the scriptures where he says, trust me. Right? Trust me, I, I'm your mediator. I love you. My arms are outstretched, right? And um, when we trust Jesus Christ, when we keep that trust foremost in our mind, love for Jesus Christ, right, then that becomes our elevated experience, right? If we worry so much about the world or what pe other people think about us, then that becomes our degraded experience, right? So I love the scriptures in that they make the attempt to elevate our thoughts to a level that will also elevate our experience, spiritually and physically. Mm, that's powerful. Okay, so go back to your youth. You're Thank growing up in this difficult situation. At what point did you rise from that? Did you, were you active as a youth in the church? You know, I was, and it was because my parents were so dogmatic about it, right? People would say to my parents, oh, your kids are so well-behaved, and, and, and they thought that it was because we were good kids. It wasn't. It was because we were afraid of getting the belt, and my dad would take the belt and use it on us for the slightest error, right? He was like, to me, so God became like this policeman who was just waiting for me to make mistakes so that he could punish me. So we did grow up in the church, my, but let me tell you this. I love my parents. They did the best that they could with what they had. Right? And I don't hold anything against them. I love them. They did the best they could with what God gave them at that time. And the thing that they did show me is don't ever give up. Right? They never gave me an excuse to give up. They've been on three missions now, and their marriage is pretty good. Right? <laughs> it's still not great, but they're working at it. Right? And that's life. You just keep trudging through with a hope that it's going to keep getting better, and it does. Right? But as a youth, I had failure to thrive, and in, in grade school, I was diagnosed with having a learning disability. I spent most of my education with the migrant workers that were in our area to pick the cherries and the apples, um, and was in the resource program through junior high, um, and I just didn't like myself. I thought I was worthless, right? And, and it probably, I probably wasn't stupid. I probably just didn't love myself. And I had told myself enough times that I was worthless, that that became my experience. You marinated in that negative yeah. thought for yeah. a long yeah. time. And it becomes your experience. Yeah. Ultimately, really, I saw, my, in junior high, we noticed that my dad was going blind. And, and by the time I was about 16, we knew that it was inevitable that he wouldn't have a job much longer. Hmm. Uh, now, we were very poor, extremely poor. And about that time, we went to even more poor because my dad took a medical retirement when I was 18. But with those struggles, um, I wanted to go on a mission because it got me out. It was the only way out of an extremely dif difficult situation, right? It was, it was my only way out. 
it wasn't because of a testimony. It was because it was my way out of the house. Um, but So where did you go? So I went to British Columbia on my mission, right? And I didn't know enough. I didn't know enough to know that um, when I, I wanted to go Spanish speaking because I thought that I could learn that Spanish. And when I saw Colombia, I was like, yeah, all right, I'm going Spanish speaking. I don't care who owns it, Colombia. You know, no, I wasn't. Or British. Anyway, I went to British Columbia. And to my parents' credit, they taught us how to work. We had to work. We had to work. We often had other people's cars in our garage where me and my brothers were doing body work or replacing a starter or an engine or alternator. We had to work. My mom was in the house with the girls reupholstering um, furniture for others just to get by, just to, just to make ends meet. So my parents taught us how to work. I went on a mission and I could work. I knew how to work. And um, because of that, I, I rose in leadership positions as a missionary because I could work and had tremendous success as a missionary. Um, and at that time, you, you spend so much time defending your religion, you come to terms with it. You decide whether it's true or not. And, uh, you know, yeah, on the mission you see miracles that can only be created through a benevolent, uh, eternal being such as Jesus Christ, you know, and you come to, to rely on Him in such a way that it changes your outlook. And um, on my mission, my mission president uh, came to me and he said, I, you need to go to, I feel like you need to go to BYU. And uh, he started looking into it. I, I had, nobody ever thought I would go to college. I had terrible grades. I was in the resource program. Nobody thought, I'd, I didn't think I'd go to college. And he said, I looked into it and you haven't taken the ACT. I said, what's the ACT? Nobody told me what the ACT was wow. because nobody thought that I would ever use it. And so he set it up so that I could take the ACT in Canada wrote a letter to BYU, and got me into BYU. Wow, bless his heart. Yeah. That's yeah. a life-changing moment right there. <laughs> An is. inspired president. So everything that is good in my life came because, because I served a mission. You know, do you love that President Nelson said in our last conference, he reminded the membership of the church, it is a priesthood responsibility oh to goodness. serve a mission. And as a mother of three boys, yeah. I said thank you. <laughs> yes. Because... Uh, all of the things you're talking about, a mission is far more than just going out and teaching the gospel that others might be baptized. It's you become closer to the Savior. Oh you, goodness. for two years or 18 months, say to the Lord, what do you want me to do today? Yep. And all day long is listening to what yes. you want to do. And you're, and you're reaching up to heaven in prayers yeah. all day long, right? Personal prayer, companionship prayer, every time you teach a lesson, every time you have a meal with a member. And, and you're praying 30 times a day. Yeah. And so you have this constant communication with yes, heaven who then yes. inspires you to do right? all of the things in your life that had you not been in that place at that time and had that kind of heavenly communication, you would be different. You would be lacking. So true. Yeah. We just go back to thoughts, right? When we our thoughts are elevated so consistently, so are we, right? Constantly in prayer, constantly in the scriptures, constantly teaching and being enveloped by the Holy Ghost. So you as a person become elevated like no other experience could do for you. It is the greatest crucible for growth personally, mentally, emotionally, 
and spiritually that you can imagine. And I also hope, because we're, we're in 2022, we're post-pandemic, I hope that young adults listening to this who maybe didn't get to serve a mission because of the pandemic and, and might be 22 or 24 even, it's not too late no, to have that experience. And some of the best missionaries, both in my mission, I was in New Jersey, and then Roman and I lived in Philadelphia for five years in, in downtown Philly, and we served with a lot of great missionaries. One of the very best that was out there had come at 25, yeah. 26. Yeah. And they had lived enough life, they added so much depth mm -hmm. to the whole mission program. And then I even worked in the mission home for a while. And so everything about a mission experience, I hope those listening hear your testimony yeah. of how that can benefit their life by choosing to go. It is never too late to go. Oh my goodness. And so two two of the greatest missionaries in our mission were 27. Mm -hmm. Elder Morganti, who was a convert and a lawyer, an attorney. He'd gone, he's our, you know, he was a, uh, an attorney, and Elder Wong um, from London, uh, he was also an attorney. Both of them were 27 years old, and both of them ended up being assistants to the president because they brought skills um, and experience and perspective that, that elevated everyone around them. That's so great. Absolutely. Okay, so you get home from your mission. Well, so I took the ACT in British Columbia, got a 19, barely passed, right? My mission president wrote a letter to BYU, got me into BYU. And like I said, the um, everything that is good in my life came because I served a mission. The first semester back, I meet my, my wife, right, at wow. BYU, right? And she's beautiful. Yes, you really married up. I know <laughs> oh, your wife. <laughs> I know, I know. Right, and if I noticed that right away. She came walking into the human anatomy lab, and I just, I just, my knees started shaking immediately. She's beautiful, and uh, yeah. So I would never would have met her if some inspiration hadn't been in, um, injected into my life. Mm -hmm. Right um, at BYU, I struggled, struggled, struggled academically, but eventually, actually got a scholarship to go to dental school. Um, which is a miracle. I'm like, does that just even happen anymore? <laughs> it doesn't happen anymore. doesn't happen anymore. But it, it was absolutely a miracle. Um, but, uh, and, you know, my life changed. My, my life changed from going to be a mechanic, you know, an unhappy mechanic. And, and I still, I love mechanics, right? I, I work on cars all the time, but I'm not. As a hobby. Down, no. Yeah, not. But, yeah, I, it made me very successful as a, uh, as a man and as a husband, as, as a father. Go back to missions for just a second. You know, when I see these missionaries who are leaving on missions, the thought often comes to my head, they're kind of chumps, right? But they come back and they have gifts of the Spirit. They are, you know, your yeah. boys, they come back and they're giants. Compared they are giants. Two years, two years, and they've, and they've experienced 20 years of growth, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Because they've learned how to solve problems yes. and how to manage yeah. time and how to deal with people and how, how to, to teach and how to speak and how to yeah. fill their, yeah, all the things you cannot, you really cannot have those experiences in a condensed part of your life like you can when sent on a mission and faithfully saying wherever. Yeah. And we certainly yeah. learned during the pandemic, you're called to serve the Lord yeah. wherever you may be transferred or moved or, <laughs> 
put, but it, it really doesn't matter the where. It's nope. you're just willing to let him throw you into the work and you you just <clears throat> dig in. I'll tell you what, even if I didn't think that the church was true, I would want my kids to go on missions because of what it does. Regardless of whether the church is true or not, all of my kids have served missions. Um, one of them got enticed to come to get married before she finished, but uh, another story. But uh, all of my kids have served, and I would want them to serve, even if this church wasn't true, even if I didn't think it was true, because of what it does for them personally and what it does for their family in the future and their business in the future and their success, their life in the in the future, I would want my kids to serve missions because e even Ivy League um, universities consider a mission as a positive check mark as they look at applicants. Mm -hmm. Mission is mission military, and I think there's one other M that they look at specifically as qualifications to make them the best that they can be. So how did you, coming on from the mission, uh, how did the Lord guide you in choosing Jen to marry and choosing to go to dental school? What role did he play in those big decisions? Because those are life-altering decisions that happened at BYU. Yeah. You know, the the from from my childhood, there was two things that I knew that I didn't want to be. I didn't want to be poor, and I wanted to have time to show my family that I loved them. And so I needed to find a career that would be more lucrative and give me time away from employment to spend with my family. And and my dad, I remember we worked on my dent my my dentist cars to pay the bills for our dental care. So I remember painting two of my dentist cars and my dad's comment was, yeah, they make they make bucket loads of money or I think it was a wheelbarrow full of money is what he said. And that stuck in my mind. And then as I started looking at different careers, most dentists work four days a week and and so I migrated towards that. And but I'll tell you what, I think that when when we are faithful, when we're doing our best, when we're doing our best, and I'm, and the perfection is not an opportunity or even a consideration to the Lord. He just wants us to do our best. Endure to the end, he says, when we're doing our best, God's going to lead us to where he needs us. He will. And he'll make us successful, even if that's selling pencils, right? There's so many people that are successful because they're faithful. They're just trying to do what's right, and they repent when they don't. That's all that's expected. But you stay faithful the Lord is going to direct your pathways he will give you the direction that you need okay so he directs you to dental school yep. which school did you go to I went to the University of Iowa because they offered me a scholarship which is that's amazing okay so you you go through Iowa did you have any post work as a dentist or is it just four straight years four years how do you how did you let the Lord guide you on where to then end up and start your family um, again I you know we you know, we always made prayer and fasting. I think that those are such powerful. Isaiah says that you can break every yoke through prayer and fasting. That's Alma, or I mean, um, Isaiah 56, I think. He says you can break every yoke, right? That, that you call and he will answer. And we, even though we were away from the Chicago temple at the time, we, we went to the temple as frequently as we could. And we tried to... And, include the Lord in that decision because he knows the end from the beginning. He knows the end from the beginning and we just need to be able to recognize the Holy Ghost as it's being given to us. I, I think that I think that it's there 
more regularly than we recognize it. And so it's just recognizing that pathway. Um, we wanted to be close to family. Uh, we started looking at Utah, we looked at Colorado, and again, we just, we felt a prompt to look in um, Idaho and the, the, and the, the straws fell. Uh, we started out in Emmett. We found an associateship in Emmett with, with a, a wonderful doctor there, so. And so that's where you first moved. And how many yep. children did you have by the time you started your practice? We had two. We had two. We had a son and a daughter, Carson and Megan, who you know, uh -huh. right? And uh, and then uh, we had Porter in Emmett. We were only in Emmett for two years before the economy there tanked because of the the shutdown of of the lumber plant there. But um, yeah, we had so we had two and one on the way. And then where'd you go after Emmett? So because of, because of the economy failure in Emmett, we, um, we had to move and, and we decided to start our own in Boise. And so you had a restart. Yep. You come out of, and that's similar actually to our yeah. story as well. Yeah. But you come out, you start in Emmett, yep. and then the economy doesn't help, yep. and you've got to restart again. So you're starting from scratch now in Boise? Yep, yep. And how what how did you do and and how did you decide what to do because you did more than just basic dental yeah you know I loved I loved orthodontics so I got some extra training in orthodontics and you can either go to a specialist training to get that or you can do it in continuing education courses on weekends and stuff and and um, no we just we just found that there wasn't a dentist out by Micron yet. And we found a place to, to uh, lease. We looked at many other places. Again, I, the Lord knows the end from the beginning, so make sure that he's included in that process, and he will guide you. I think that he, will, he wants you to be successful. And we found that the Spirit really help, helped us to be comfortable and find peace in an office over on the, on the east side of town. And, um, you know, the stress was overwhelming. Mm -hmm. you know, well, starting you, any business, the yeah. stress is through the roof. Oh. And you think, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and, and even though I had a scholarship, we came out with some, some significant uh, debt. And, um, you know, and then starting a business and doing tenant improvements, it's, you know, you're, you're going to, 20 years ago, that was a million dollars worth of debt, mm -hmm. right? So that's, that's stress. That is some significant stress. I'll tell you what, though, I, the Lord blessed us so much. We were so blessed. We were so successful. Um, I think uh, just making that effort and showing the Lord that we're going to put faith in Him and, and, and going after it, we were so blessed. We were so successful. Our, our first year, 20, 25 years ago, our first year, we collected 620000 and that was in the top 10 practices in Idaho. For the number of new pages we had we just the lord blessed us so much we were so successful and uh, talk about so you're working so hard in your practice talk about jen's support and involvement as she's taking those if now you've got four kids yeah, right yeah and yeah, <laughs> and and talk about the involvement of how partnership works having a mother and a father and a husband and a wife and and pulling both roles because your role was heavy yeah so was hers. Well, I love the fact. I love that the fact that Temple Marriage puts a different perspective on marriage, and that is that marriage isn't a two-way street; it's a triangle, right? Where we've got God, me, and Jen, 
all involved in the same covenant relationship, right? So it's not, it's not just me and Jen trying to figure things out. But we, when you make a covenant in the temple, you're making a covenant with God. And so he's involved. And Jennifer being a faithful, good, good person, one of the best persons, people I have ever met. Um, you know, we, we constantly, we constantly, I, I'll tell you, stress makes you humble. And you realize that you're not big enough to solve all the problems. And only God is. And so including him is so important. And so our, we, our, our resources, I think as members of the church, we, have, we are so lucky because we have resources that nobody else has. Right? We have priesthood. We have priesthood blessings. We have, we have leadership that can receive revelation for us. And we have the temple where God has involved us and, and, and is promise, promising, promising to give us the further light knowledge that we need to get through life. We also have patriarchal blessings, which are amazing. But Jennifer, the, the, the greatest uh, caveat that I could give to her is that she is a faithful woman. She has always, and I'll tell you, the, one of the greatest, I think that the greatest little gem of our marriage is every morning and every night, she and I kneel down together, and we hold hands, and one of us starts the prayer, and when that person is done, then they squeeze their hand, and the other person finishes it, mm-hmm. and, in, and the, it switches, right, every other time. And that is a gem. That started the day we were married. That is, I tell you what, that is one of the greatest, uh, greatest skills to, to help your marriage because you hear the things of the soul that you might not otherwise hear from your spouse. Mm-hmm. What she loves, who she loves, what she stands in need of, right? And she hears the same thing as we plead with Heavenly Father, but so... We have always tried to try to include the Lord in, in our decisions and the and temple attendance has been so important. As we made some of these big decisions, there was a time where we went to the temple every day for two months. Every day that it was open because that the decision was so important for our family and for for our future that we fasted and prayed and 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 Put, set aside time for the Lord um, and the Lord revealed himself to us so Jennifer she's amazing she's always been faithful she's a good lady I'm so lucky to be <laughs> tied to that girl yes you are yes I am yes. so you have this thriving practice and then yep. you sell it yeah and you change to teaching youth and young adults the gospel how did that happen that's a massive career change yeah uh, well, Jennifer and I were uh, asked to be uh, early morning seminary teachers at Mountain View High School, and and we loved it. We love it. Jennifer's such a genuine person, right? And that and she connected with the kids so well. And you know, I honestly, um, there's been a few times in our lives where the Lord has revealed himself to us. And I cherish those moments. They take so much work to get, but I cherish those few times where the Lord has revealed himself to us. And uh, one of those times was we had, t- as a family, we had gone down to General Conference at Salt Lake. And 
I don't remember why, but I was driving home by myself. And I had known, I had felt the promptings of the Spirit uh, several times that there was going to be a change in my life. And, um, and so I was preparing for that. And on this trip back from Salt Lake, the Lord revealed himself to me. One of those cherished times where you got to pull over because dry eyes all of a sudden become rivers, right? I don't cry. I don't cry. You ask Jennifer, she says, I don't have any feelings at all. But, <laughs> but those times when the Spirit energizes every cell in your body in such a way that you receive divine light and you got to pull over because you can't see. And I felt the Lord revealed to me that he wanted me to teach seminary. And there was a lot of other things that contributed to it. Now, there was some dissatisfaction with a partnership that I had. There was some, some other problems that just helped facilitate that change, thank goodness. But uh, ultimately, through temple worship and fasting and prayer, the Lord directed us where we needed to go. And it was funny because... <clears throat> Um, on a on a Monday, I had sold my dental practice to my existing partner. We've made that change, right? I'd sold, and that's when we went to the temple every day for two months. Our kids were old enough that they didn't need a babysitter, but we went to the temple every day for two months, and we fasted and prayed our guts out. <laughs> but the Lord revealed Himself to us, hmm. and um, so I sold my dental practice on Monday, not knowing what I was going to do. And you know big Jim Edwards. He shows up at my class, at my early morning seminary class, Thursday, and offers me a job as a student teacher. <laughs> how about that? That's fantastic. That's amazing. <laughs> you know how amazing that is. Yeah. Right? And so I went through this, this student teaching process without ever going through the preliminary classes. And the Lord knows where he wants you. Mm -hmm. You just got to learn to listen. And I don't always listen. <laughs> I, it's a... It's a difficult thing to do, but um, it has been a beautiful and rewarding career. I I love the gospel. I love I love what the constant um, constantly being engaged in the scriptures and with the spirit, like a mission, mm -hmm. um, elevates me to be a better person and a better father and a better husband. So I I'm grateful for the change. What a fantastic journey. Yeah, it's been amazing. I mean, all the way from your childhood and all that you've been through, your mission, all of your dental experiences, and the wisdom and stories that come with that as you teach youth and young adults, you have the opportunity to share with them. God's part of this whole roller coaster of mortality that we yeah, go up yeah. and down and all yeah, around. He and he does care about yeah, every does. little decision you make, but he also trusts you to make those decisions yeah. and he backs you up when you're trying to do what's right. Absolutely, and that's the key, just trying. We're not, we're not expected to be perfect, right? Um, we're, just, we're expected to be faithful, not perfect. Faithful means you're trying. It means that you're trying, that you repent every day uh, because we make so many mistakes. And, and as we do that, we receive the outstretched arms of our, our Savior and His love. He's there. He knows the path. We just need to engage in the Spirit enough that we can hear the direction that's already there. So maybe as a final question, Chad, and thank you for sharing your story today. 
Um, you had many moments as a youth, as a young adult, and probably even through all the struggles of a practice to say, church is not for me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need to be yeah. here. Why do you stay and why do you say I am in the gospel of Jesus Christ? Um, you know, Peter was asked the same question. Jesus in John chapter 6, Peter, J Jesus said, everybody's leaving. Are you going to leave me? And Peter said simply, where would I go? Right? And, and that's where I'm at. Um, this gospel is absolutely amazing. I love this gospel. And frankly, frankly, I don't care whether it's true or not. It doesn't make any difference to me. And the reason why I say that, and don't take that as an excuse, because I do know it's true, but I don't really care. Um, there is only one organization in the world that claims to have the power and the vehicle, the priesthood and the temple, to seal me to my wife and my kids forever. So I'm in, right? I'm in. There's only one, one organization that claims to have that power. Uh, until there's another one, I'm stuck with this one on a surface level, right? If I want to be with my wife forever and my kids and my grandkids, this is the vehicle. This is the only vehicle that claims to have that power. I love that hope of eternal families, um, no matter how many mistakes we make. I love the hope of eternal families. Um, but I, you know, the, I love also the fact that God has revealed himself in these last days to a prophet. And the claim is that he will reveal himself to me. And I've found that to be true as I've studied modern revelation and, and listened to our prophets today. God will reveal himself to us. There is no other religion on the earth that claims that, that God is still speaking to man, right? That he's a God without body parts or passions. I've found a God that loves and supports me. And I do know that this gospel is true. It has the miracle of healing and power in, um, in God's kingdom on the earth today. This gospel is amazing. I love it. Thank you so much. Yep. I appreciate your time today. Ah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, the gospel is amazing. <laughs>